know what your client considers to be a win, right? I think that's so huge because we just recently had some clients that we thought we understood what they thought was a win, but we didn't, you know? And so now they're like, hey, we're gonna take a break from looking at home. So we were way off. Like that's part of a communication um, issue, both on our end and their end, but now they're taking a break. We showed them a bunch of homes, spending a bunch of time and nothing's happening right now. Now down the road, it may, we may, we may get that back. But had we probably asked better questions and really understood what they thought a win was, their idea of a win is like $100,000 off of a $500,000 right? So that, you know, that, that may or may not be realistic in today's market or any market ever, but you never know, it, it could happen. So just understanding what, they're, what they think is a win and then taking into consideration everything. All right, guys, welcome back to the How To Real Estate Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Smith. This is Kyle Lindsay. Welcome back. This is episode 25. We're going to be talking about how to be irreplaceable. Yes. Well, with buyer agency under fire right now, and we know nothing's changing immediately, but their landscape will change over the next couple of years. We're not sure how yet. And, I mean, maybe it's this this uh, lawsuit chain, like removes buyer agency um, fees and now buyers have to pay a commission and it's just less less often where we have buyer's agents involved. Maybe AI replaces us because you did a really crappy job as a buyer's agent. I don't know. But what we want to talk about today is how to really focus on mastering your craft so that you are irreplaceable. Absolutely. And you know how like there's people that got in on the front end of Bitcoin mm -hmm. and they bought Bitcoin for super cheap and people are like, you're crazy. That's never going to go anywhere. Right. And then they became millionaires and billionaires from mm -hmm. what they owned in Bitcoin. Well, they got ahead of the game. Right. And this is what we're talking about today. Buyer side commission is likely going to change. We're trying to help you guys get ahead of this game so that you can be the early onset buyers of Bitcoin in the buyer agency world. Yeah. And who wouldn't have loved to own Bitcoin right off the gate? Like when it was still a couple bucks per Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. Same thing with EXP. You know, yeah. when folks got an EXP and it was like 18 cents a share, right. you know, love to have had $16,000 worth of, yeah, of no. 18 cents a share stock. Yeah. No joke, man. <laughs> Life changing. Right. So, so that's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to talk to you guys about exactly what you should be doing, some stuff you're probably already doing that you just need to start documenting to set yourself up for success. Because when this thing changes, we're going to have to provide a different sort of value. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to be able to um, really showcase it, earn our commissions. The people who are better at this than everybody else are going to be able to yield higher commissions than others. So it's in our best interest to get great at this buy side representation and be able to justify the value. So yeah. the first thing I have is have results that you can share, mm -hmm. right? So those of you that are out there doing real estate transactions now, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts. If you didn't hear them, go back and listen. If you haven't subscribed, do that right now. But you need to be documenting your results, right? As you're representing buyers, how many buyers did you represent here in 2023? Know that number. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked you, at the store, you should be able to tell them that number. Mm. We didn't need to track that metrics before that closely, but you do now. How many buyers did you know? Did you uh, represent? Know that. How much money on average did you save each buyer? Yeah. 
know that. How many homes do you have to show each buyer before they get into under contract? How many reviews have you gotten mm -hmm. from those buyers that you have closed deals with? And what was their perception of you? Are they willing to come back and use you again? Were they willing to leave you a review? Are they willing to leave you a video review? Mm -hmm. How much have you gotten buyers in closing cost assistance? Any metrics that you can think of, start documenting that stuff because that is going to probably be a very big factor and who agents decide to hire, I'm sorry, who buyers decide to hire. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings in, uh, in sales really is show, don't tell. Right. So you can sit down and you can say, oh, I help my buyers get great deals and I do so much. But what Jeremy's talking about right now is actually being able to show that like, hey, here's my last three buyers. Here's their story. Like, hey, I took this first time home buyer. Um, they had some real affordability challenges. So I would help them develop a strategy. We found them a home within... 30 days and I got them this much off, which saved them this much off their mortgage payment. Being able to just tell that story real quick, it would be game changing for you actually justifying your commission to someone. Because if you ever had to sit down and, and tell, a, tell a new buyer client like, hey, look, you know, I charge 3% or whatever that is for you. Maybe it's $5,000 flat. Maybe it's 4%, whatever you want to charge. But when you say that to them and you say, hey, the seller might kick in some to help pay for some of that. They might not. However, regardless of what the seller contributes to my commission, you're going to owe the rest of that. Right. Whether it's zero or whether it's all of it. And then you can then you can justify that by saying but because and you're justified in paying that because here's why. Right. Here's my last 10 transactions with buyers, on average I've done X, which will either pay for the commission almost all by itself or more or at least justify 75% of it. Yeah. Plus, you're also going to get the protection of having me by your side, my strategies, and all of these things to make it easier and less stressful on yourself. Love that, dude. That's so good, especially the story part. That's something that I always, like, fail to connect with, the story part. So thank you for bringing that in. That's such a good such a good point um, on that. All right, so you, you mentioned strategy. Yeah. What sort of strategies should agents be using? And, and if you know, what, what strategy are you going to be using? So I think... As a buyer's agent, you need to have several strategies in place because the first one is obviously how are you going to help them find a home? Now, I think most agents, and I'm guilty of this in the past as well, we allow the internet to do most of our work in finding the homes. And what I'm talking to people recently and, and really discovering is that a lot of people have been disappointed that their agent wasn't sending them listings. And I think to myself, well, I sat down with them during a buyer's consultation. We set up the search together. Now the MLS is sending them the listings. Why do I need to comb through these listings too and help send them? Well, that's kind of what people are expecting. So I think being able to reiterate that or at least follow up on the, 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 the home search strategy that you help them set up, man, say that three times fast, home search strategy, and just remind them, hey, we set this search up. How's it doing? You know, even if you're not sending them listings directly, like however you, you want to do that. Um, but I do also think having several off-market sources, like maybe some Facebook groups, Maybe you follow certain people on Instagram or TikTok that might be posting some of these off-market properties. Having some other source there would be very wise for you to have that you can then send them. But I think just first one's a home search strategy that is different than just, hey, let's put in your preferences and see what happens. Like right. I like to do the reverse lookup. Like what has sold, what and really helped to find that for them. I love that. Now, if you if you're with EXP Realty, we have a thing called ZenList. Yes. And ZenList is a is a list of off market listings mm -hmm. that are exclusive for for the brokerage, right? Mm -hmm. So your brokerage may have something like that, or they may not. If they don't, hit us up. But that's a good resource. Also, 
expireds, canceled, mm-hmm. things that they may not be getting in their home search because they're they're not active anymore. Right. We can tap into those too for sale by owners, mm-hmm. all kinds of opportunities. Yeah, if you're doing your circle prospecting and just regular prospecting, I mean, you should hopefully be coming across properties that aren't in the MLS that would be willing to sell if the right buyer came along. And hopefully you can kind of marry those two together and have the right buyer for the right seller. Nothing feels better than actually brokering an off-market deal for people that weren't expecting it. And right. You get the full commission. There's no other agent involved. In Texas, you can't do dual agency, but you know there's other ways to skin that cat. So really, really cool opportunities there. I, th- I think the second strategy you really need as an agent is now you've found the house, how are you going to get that offer accepted? Yep. How are you going to protect your client's interest using the contracts that are available? Um, I know you're probably one of the better experts at this. Like, so what kind of strategies should should agents be thinking about when using the contracts to their advantage for their for their clients? Yeah, you know, that all goes into to negotiations, you know, and and understanding several different things. One, know what your client considers to be a win. Right. I think that's so huge because we just recently had some clients that we thought we understood what they thought was a win, but we didn't, you know? And so now they're like, Hey, we're going to take a break from looking at home. So we were way off. Like that's part of a communication um, issue, both on our end and their end, but now they're taking a break. We showed them a bunch of homes, spending a bunch of time and nothing's happening right now. Now Mm -hmm. down the road, it may, we may, we may get that back, but had we probably asked better questions and really understood what they thought a win was, their idea of a win is like a hundred thousand dollars off of the five hundred thousand dollars house, <laughs> right? So that you know that that may or may not be realistic in today's market or any market ever. But you never know; it, it could happen. So just understanding what they what they think is a win, mm-hmm. and then taking into consideration everything. So you look at a property: how long has it been on the market? How much are homes in that neighborhood or in that area getting compared to what they're listing at? What's that list to sales price ratio? Mm-hmm. Right. What's their motivation? If you can get that information from the listing agent, that may help you, mm-hmm. right? And then what's your what's your buyer's bottom number, mm-hmm. you know, or their top number, right? right? What what number are they like? Hey, this number or the deal doesn't make sense for us. And then now you can go back and develop a negotiation strategy with that number in mind. We both love never split the difference. Right. Um, Chris Voss's techniques absolutely work. So Chris Voss, if you're hearing this. I will send you my routing and account number <laughs> for royalties or commissions or whatever that's called. Good luck negotiating that with him. <laughs> yeah. Put on my late night FM DJ voice. Yeah. Chris, we're making you money. <laughs> Are you opposed to paying me? No. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so that just, you know, have that, that strategy of communicating with your client, understanding what they think is a win, knowing what their bottom line is, and how important that particular house is that that they get it and and just work with them as you go through with the negotiations. I like to start off with like, let's say they want $50,000 off and that's their bottom line. Like they're not going to go above that. They're like, hey, the deal doesn't work for us if we don't get 50 grand off. Well, I'm probably going to start with 80, mm-hmm. right? And then we're going to go back and forth and try to try to land at that 50 or higher. But it's just communicating and knowing where they want to be, right. right? Being clear. Yeah. I, I think really, really understanding your state-specific contracts as well, like something that goes beyond a Google search, something that if they, for for your buyer to figure out themselves, they would have to watch hours of YouTube videos or read tons of, of uh, mind-numbing articles on contracts. Like being able to say, to tell them, especially here in Texas, like, hey, look, we can go with a shorter option period on this because there's an HOA involved. 
And we'll have three days to cancel once we get those HOA docs back, which could be you, on average is somewhere between eight and 10 days after we sign the contract. Right. And be able to say that, like you're going to have, you have another out over here. So don't worry about this one over here. Right. And walk them through those strategies as well. Just knowing all of this and how to work it to your client's advantage is 100% something as a buyer's agent you need to be able to articulate and understand to make sure that you're irreplaceable. 100%. 100%. And if you're in Texas, some gems for you guys real quick. <laughs> Third-party financing is another one. Mm -hmm. In addition to the HOA, you also got seller's disclosures. You've mm -hmm. also got um, title commitment. Now, there's a bunch of things in there yeah. that will that will help you. And even small things like survey, mm -hmm. right? Who pays for that survey? Well, you can strategically work that as well, right? right? If, if you know what the contract is and then that you add that to your list of wins that you've got for your clients. Mm -hmm. So 100%, you've got to know the contracts. You've got to be very well versed in them. And as we walk the clients through the process, you also have to be very good at explaining. Yes. Right? Be very good at teaching your clients exactly what those contract documents say and they mean Paraphrasing, of course, right? Mm -hmm. They're not here to learn every line, but explain it to them so that they have confidence in your ability to to navigate them through this process and use those contracts for their best interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing worse than getting three weeks into a to an escrow or under while you're under contract and all of a sudden something pops out that your buyers have to do or perform and they're like, Well, I didn't know I did to do that. Right. And man, that doesn't feel good as an agent. Like, well, sorry, but yeah, you agreed to it and here, here, mm -hmm. and you know, and this, and like, well, you didn't tell us that. Yeah. Oh, that's a bad feeling. Yeah. yeah and, and nobody says, oh, because I didn't know. Yeah. Right. Oh, exactly. yeah. Well, the, 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 the email must not come through. My phone, <laughs> my text wasn't working, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. Right. Um, Chat JPT didn't tell me that I needed to say that. <laughs> my broker never told me that. Yeah. Right. There's no excuse. Right. Ignorance is not an excuse. Right. From the law, you know, we've got to make sure we know these things and we're, we're educating them appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, I also think we, we have to set expectations correctly. Yes. And so sometimes, like, you'll get clients that text you and call you and all hours of the night, mm -hmm. right? And, and they sometimes they even really expect you to be able to be there, mm -hmm. right? And answer those phone calls and emails and texts at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's what you want to do, cool. Those are the expectations that you're setting. But if it's not what you want to do, it's very important that we set those expectations up front because if we don't, then they have their expectations in their mind of what they think should happen. And then when we're not meeting those expectations, then they start developing frustration and disappointment and things start going south. Yeah, I, I was talking with a realtor probably a year ago, and she was complaining to me that, you know, oh, my clients just blow me up at all hours of the night. I'm trying to eat dinner. I'm doing this and blah, blah, blah. And the very next day I see a Facebook post from her. And it's like, I'm your realtor 24-7. I work harder than anybody else. But the, night, the day before she was complaining to me about it, people actually taking her up on it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, just really marry those expectations with what you actually want. For sure. For um, sure, man. And I don't think that just because you work all hours of the night means you work harder. Right. No, I, I'd agree with that too. That that just means that you work more. Yes. Which is fine, you know, if, the, if that's mm -hmm. what you want. But at some point, you know, quality of life for us becomes important as well, mm -hmm. right? And our families and all that stuff. So it's it's important to set those set those expectations 
especially around communication. Yeah. I think the agent that gets more done um, in between the hours of nine to five than the agent that has to work eight extra hours to get the same amount done. Are you working harder? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather just hire the agent that gets more done. I mean, that's what we're drifting off topic here, but yeah, yeah it's, but, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. And it's relevant too, because if we're talking about being irreplaceable, yeah. Okay. You're answering texts yeah. at nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. You right. feel more valued, right? You feel yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm more important. Cause I'm, and I'm, and I'm doing a better service, mm-hmm. but then you're tired in the morning. You know, you're doing things at night when the title companies close, when the lenders close, like nothing is really, you're not really making any progress, right? Right. You're just communicating with the clients, but that communication doesn't have to be during those times. Yeah. You know, you can have a better quality of life. Uh, I I 100% agree with that. And I think another side to setting expectations is something your clients can't do for themselves is know what's normal. Right. And when you as an agent can help guide them through that transaction by setting expectations like, hey, it's normal for this for you to feel this way right here. Or, hey, it's normal to get a little buyer's remorse right after we get through or the offer gets accepted or going through the, uh, you know, the the um, inspection report is scary. Yeah. It's normal for you to feel feel this way. Here's what we're going to do about it and really be that expert guidance by setting expectations on what is normal, and what they should expect. Absolutely. Hundred percent. And then on the flip side of that is knowing their expectations. Yeah. Right. Having a clear understanding what the client's expectations are. They may say, you know what? I expect you to answer your phone at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. You know, they may have had that experience before, mm-hmm. right? And they think that that's what's valuable. You may have to educate them on that, um, or choose not to work with that client. Right. Right. Because you're not going to do that, or yeah. or you are. You know, it's totally up to you. If it's me, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah. a, I'm asleep by nine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your text all day long, no matter what time of day, but I won't respond to the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, I can respond at four 30 in the morning. Right. Just saw your text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do that. You know, so understand their expectations as well. We, we just got some clients and we were talking to them about what their expectations were. Mm-hmm. And, we're and the question was, Hey, what is, what is the most important thing that the next real estate agent that you work with does for you guys? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want that to be? And, and the answer was, Hey, we want them to hear us. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be heard because the last agent we were working with, we're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Didn't hear them. Right. right. Didn't hear them. Didn't put their best interest first. They felt that way. Um, so it was important that, we understood what their expectations were because now we, we have to just do that, mm-hmm. right? Make sure that they know that we hear them, right? It yeah. becomes a lot easier to provide five-star service when you know what's expected of you. Right. So that, that's an important one. And then the communication, you know, communicating accurately is so important. Yeah. I, I'm going back to what you said earlier about being able to teach, um, being able to, act, I mean, communication is probably the number one skill I think that any salesperson or leader can have. And, you know, we are leaders going through this transaction. So don't get that twisted. Maybe you're not a team lead or whatever in your brokerage. You're just a regular agent. You are a leader to your clients. So and being able to communicate clearly in a way that they understand and that you can teach these things to them about the contract and what to expect and make sure they, they can understand, man, that is incredibly important. Yeah, 100%, man. And then I've seen sometimes, too, and I don't know if you've experienced this, where you get buyers and everything is good and running smoothly and, and communication is great and they've gotten pre-approved and they're mm-hmm. on a surge and then weeks go by and you haven't heard from them and they mm-hmm. haven't heard from you 
and they're still getting searches, but they're not hitting you up to go look right. at anything. And then a month goes by and two months go by and then you just lose them. Mm-hmm. You know, those buyers that you did all the work to get the appointment, you conducted the appointment, you converted it into a buyer con- mm-hmm. or buyer rep agreement. And now you have a client and communication just goes out the door. Yep. Right. And that happens also with new construction. Mm-hmm. When you have a buyer that's buying a house that's getting built and there's really not a lot for us to do. Right. And we just drop communication and every single time those people are not happy. Yeah. They see that check at the end of the, at the end of the escrow and they're like, what the hell? Like yeah. all you did was come to the. You came to one meeting and, and shook hands with the, with the builder yeah. rep and didn't do anything. Yeah. Now you're getting 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then they are like, well, that's that, that scenario created a lot of real estate agents. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it really has. It created me. Right. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, our, our agent, when we bought our house in Dorado Ranch, I mean, just took us there. It was already, it was a spec home, you know, mm-hmm. so it was already, already built and had a signed paperwork with DR Horton. Yeah, we'll buy it. You know, boom, did it, disappeared, yep. didn't come to closing, didn't bring us a closing gift, didn't mm. say, hey, hi, or <laughs> you, <laughs> nothing, right? <laughs> and then we saw his check at the end. I'm like, I'm in the wrong damn business. Yeah, right. I need to get back into real estate. Yeah. That was that was the motivator. So yeah, definitely figure out a system for communicating with your, your buyers that are looking, your buyers that are building. Stay in very close communication mm-hmm. with them at least once a week. Yes. Right. At least once a week. If you need to write it down on a whiteboard so that you see their mm-hmm. names every single day, um, develop a love for them, you got to do it. Yeah. You should have a day that you're calling all of your listings or at least sending them an email, a text, communication of some sort every day, one, at least once a week. Um, I'd recommend a phone call. And then one day for your buyer separate. They could be the same day, but I like to separate my two. And that way you're touching base. Yeah. Touch base with them once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, because once again, that's something that helps them stay motivated and will help them remember that they actually have an agent and they're, they're shopping for a house. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a story real quick about a mess up I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it hurt. Like it hurt when I, when I learned this and this is recent, I had clients was super busy, helped them sell a house and buy a house at the same mm-hmm. time. So they bought this house and they bought it like an hour away, right? And I helped them with the purchase, all of that. I got busy. I don't remember exactly what happened, but there's no excuse. I I wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't at the closing. I guess they just closed and we all went on with our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Totally dropped the ball on this. About three or four months ago, I see them, and because I'm friends with them on Facebook, right? So about three or four months ago, I see that they're like, hey, we're moving to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Let's just say maybe it was, I don't remember. They're moving out of state. And they're like, house is under contract and da, 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 yeah. da. And I was like, what? <laughs> Your house is under contract. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously they didn't call me for a reason. Right. Right. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, man, congrats on the move. So happy for you guys. Um, I feel like maybe I did something to drop the ball, you know, so can you give me any feedback, you know, mm-hmm. on, on why you guys didn't call me? They're like, yeah, we just kind of felt like, like the price point, And this is what hurt. Like the price point we were buying in wasn't high enough, you know? Mm. And so you kind of like didn't pay us a lot of attention. And we saw on Facebook what you've been doing for other of your clients when they closed and and we didn't get any of that. So we kind of felt yeah. like, dude, and I'm like, that is so opposite of where my heart is with it. Mm-hmm. But it was a reality check. Yeah. You know, I totally screwed that up. I totally <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> that button. Should, should have I should have never found that. I button. should have never found that. <laughs> 
but I did, right? Yeah. You know, I totally screwed up. I let these folks down, yeah. you know, and it's not really so much about the money for me. It's about the fact that I'm, I didn't do what I was supposed to do to make these people feel valued. Yes. Right. As a matter of fact, I, I, I gaffed it off so much that they felt devalued yeah. by me, you know, and, and we hashed out, I apologized profusely. They accepted my apology, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it's not an issue. We're still friends. Right. Right. And I'm glad that they got their household and mm-hmm. they had a good experience and, and got, got all moved. But had I been communicating better, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I, I goes to another, uh, like consistency thing mm-hmm. too. Like, yeah, especially like they've seen you do things on Facebook and then they didn't get the same exactly. thing. It's like, Oh yeah. 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 Well, it's one of those things where they're building, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, and, and all I could think of is I just got so busy wrapped up in other things. I yes. totally forgot about it, yeah. you know, which is not an excuse, yeah. you know, it's a hole in the ship, right? Which I'm, yeah. I'm glad I see it. I wish it had not have been there, mm-hmm. but the opportunity is there for me to learn right? Yeah. and never let that happen again. Difference between reasons and excuse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we learn from it. So um, that kind of leads me into to my last point that I want to make. And and that's focusing on really building genuine human connections. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. AI can't do that yet. No, AI can't do that. And, and most people can't. Well, that's fair. <laughs> AI might be better than most people. <laughs> right. And mo- most people can't, you know, for one reason or another. But that is so critical. Yeah. And, and I would say even in, in this example that I just gave, that human connection was there, mm-hmm. right? I had built up that human connection. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why they were open to tell me what the issue was. Mm-hmm. And then they accepted my apology, you know, yeah. and understood it. Like, dude, we don't take it personal and all of that. Like, had I not been in, had I not focused on building that human connection in the very beginning, I would have had no equity in that relationship, mm-hmm. right? And maybe they would have left me a bad review. Yeah, that would have been even worse. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe that human connection kept them from leaving a bad review. Right. But on the flip side, the human connection, when you build that, that also creates loyalty, mm-hmm. right? And people are going to refer you and come back to you and and have your back. You know, when you build that human connection, the only way to build that human connection is to make people feel valued, make them feel heard, mm-hmm. right? And then doing what you're saying you're going to do. Now, for a lot of the agents out there like myself, this is where I struggle. I'm really good at the mechanics of real estate and all of those things, but building the relationship with the client is one of those things I've never been great at. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm much better now than I was when I started and I will be much better in a few years than I am now. Yes, you will. But, you know, for people that do struggle with that, what, what are, what are some of your, your, your tips and advice, because I know that does come very naturally for you. Yeah, it does. And so it's hard to give advice because I don't understand it being hard, mm-hmm. right? Because it's never been for me. Something I just recently learned was it is that there's six basic human needs, mm-hmm. right? And so I think this would, this would be the advice I would give to somebody that has a hard time making connections. I know there's a lot of people like that and there's reasons for that, mm-hmm. right? So I would say, so one of the, the basic human needs is love and connection. Right. And a lot of us push that to the back, right? Because we have other human needs that mm-hmm. we put in front of it. Right. So um the others, so you have love and connection, you have con- consistency, you have inconsistency. Understand the basic human needs and then figure out whatever one yours is and then try to be consistent and conscious about replacing it with love. Because if we operate from a place of love, then we're always being interested about other people. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, or any of those things, but I think if you operate out of a place of love, 
then the the human connection thing just kind of happens automatically because you're completely capable of it, mm-hmm. right? You've got very good friends, mm-hmm. right? Most people do. So we're capable of creating human connection. Maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe it's a fear issue, which is also trust. Lack of trust comes from fear. Um, so it's either two things, either a fear issue or it's a love issue. And you got to figure that out so that you can make those connections because this business grows on it. Well, hundred percent. I mean, what, what's helped me is decoupling the human from the transaction. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, especially a lot of us newer agents as, as we, um, or as we were newer agents, whatever, at one point you focus a lot on the paycheck. I want to get that big paycheck. I want to get that commission check or I might need that commission check. And so you catch yourself kind of rushing that person towards the end result without ever actually kind of what we talked about earlier, finding out what their expectations are, what they value, what would make it a win for them um, and doing all of the great sales stuff. But along the way, actually just being vulnerable and and getting to know that person as an, as another person, like laugh with them, have fun with them, take them out to lunch occasionally if you're seeing 12 houses in a day, whatever. Um, But yeah, you're, you're with this person at an extremely important part of their life in an extremely stressful situation They'll either remember you, they will remember you for the rest of their life. Make it either a positive or a negative memory, and you have control over that. Absolutely. 100%. And you made me think about some stuff while you were saying that. You know, one, the way we do our buyer consultations, I think that may be the start, you know, mm-hmm. of the way we do it to creating those lasting connections, right? Because we spend a lot of time with them talking and making it about them and mm-hmm. really understanding what their situation is. And then for me, like when somebody honors me and hires me, like I take that so seriously and I'm so grateful for it because I know that they got a billion different options, right? Mm-hmm. They could have chose anybody, but God put them in front of me and they chose me, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's an honor, you know, and we've got a responsibility to take care of those people. And I know you feel the same way. And so when you do that and you get to know these people a little bit more and their story a little bit more and why they're doing what they're doing, just I think the gratefulness for me, mm-hmm. you know, just being so grateful that they honored us and gave us an opportunity to represent them in such a big transaction and big mm-hmm. time in their life, that just automatically helps me to have love for them. Yeah. You know, with that feeling of love for them, then now the connection just becomes easier. Well, I think that ties everything back together. Yeah. All of these things don't matter if you don't care about the person you're serving. Certainly. So who cares if you're, and people can tell that. I mean, think back to, a time when you've been anywhere, fast food, restaurant, Best Buy, buying a television, um, even just a cold call on the telephone or whatever. And you could tell the person you're talking to doesn't give a about you. And you're, you can tell, and it makes you, it makes you not care about them. Yeah, absolutely. And think, put yourself back in that mind frame, that, that, that frame of mind, whatever mind frame, where did that come from? <laughs> that frame of mind. And did you care about their advice? Did you care about anything they had to tell to say to you? Probably not because you could tell they didn't care. So when you don't care, you could have the right strategies. You could have the right advice. Um, You could, you could find them a killer deal and they might go with you on that deal if the deal is good enough. But if you don't care about them, they aren't going to give about you. Yeah, absolutely true, dude. And Mm -hmm. pinpoint accuracy on that button. Right. By the way, on the timing too. Yeah. Great. I was thinking about it in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, it's absolutely true, you know, and it brings forth that quote that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, I like that one. 
and this is a relationship business and people are going to burn you. Mm -hmm. They're going to take advantage of you. You're going to work a lot and you're not going to get shit in return. Yep. Right. It's going to happen. Oops. <laughs> um, it, it's going to happen, you know, but if we're always focused on doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right times, mm -hmm. putting other people before ourselves, another, another famous quote is the way to get the things you want in life is to help other people get what they want. And this business is the perfect industry mm -hmm. to do that. We can help people buy homes, help people sell homes, get investment properties, sell investment properties, commercial properties, land. Like we get to have an impact on their life in a good way. And if we focus on that instead of the money, mm -hmm. build the freaking relationship, yep. protect them like they're your kids. I mean, I don't say that in a disparaging way, but like if, if you have kids or a, a pet that you love, like what would you do? to protect them, probably everything, you know? So so make sure that you're protecting your, these clients like they're your family yeah. and treat them like they're your family and your business will grow 100%. You will be irreplaceable. You won't have to worry about what's going on with commissions and they'll, they'll pay you. you know, they'll, they'll gladly pay you. I've had clients that paid on the buy side that have offered to pay that, mm -hmm. you know? So they'll do it if they feel that the value is there. Yeah. And, and the value, I guess what we're really trying to say is, yes, it's financial. You need to be able to prove that you can provide financial value. But the real value is in the relationship and the guidance you give. That's It's your knowledge and your experience. And if you're brand new, you can develop that through mentorship and things. But really, the value comes from your connection with that person. Yep. And if you understand Enneagram, certain people are going to value the relationship over the money. Mm -hmm. Some people will, will value the money over the relationship. Yep. But if you can do both, you cover everybody. Yep. You don't got to worry about it because you got both. Yep. Cool beans. You got yeah. anything else? No, this is, this is fantastic. So just be aware that, yeah, you know, changes are coming. Um, be prepared for them, but start changing now. Be ahead of the game. Be, be that early Bitcoin guy. Um, and share this with someone that might need to also need to hear it. You uh, might be on a team or another brokerage where someone else might be struggling a little bit. Be, share this share this podcast with them if you feel like there might be someone else that could that could get some value from it. Absolutely. And guys, just remember, you are irreplaceable. You're the only you that has ever and will ever exist. Like you are already irreplaceable. You just need to have a different mindset and do the different things, right? Do different things that's going to communicate your value to people out there in the world. Do it with genuine heart and all the things that we talked about as far as the processes and the strategies. Do all of that and just watch your business grow despite mm -hmm. all the changes that are coming. Yep. And if someone tells you you're irreplaceable, you can just say, hey, you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you can just say, hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I missed it <laughs> again. Damn oh, that funny. button, it's broke. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you hanging around to the end here. Um, definitely subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Follow us, hit the bell so you get notifications. We're on TikTok, Instagram, and the Book of Faces. And reach out if there's ever anything that we can do to help you guys. It's the How to Real Estate Podcast at Gmail. Reach out to us, comment below. We'll hit you back up and uh, let us know what you want to hear. Awesome. All right, guys, take it easy. Peace. Peace.